0: you today all of the fantasy advice you want right here we have over 40 players to talk about again today including some who you should trade for and some you should trade away and of course we'll answer your questions from across space and social media whether it's from twitter instagram or even tiktok but first we'll dish out our weekly superlatives we'll run through some takes on 10 players All right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Bleed Podcast Network. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network with Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. Cole has some good insight into an under-the-radar quarterback he'll share in just a few moments. But first, Cole, I I have a little surprise, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Great. Well, last episode, we told you, our valuable listener, to not only follow and rate the show on whatever platform you use, but we said, hey, feel free to write us a review. And let me tell you, you did not disappoint. Last I checked, I think we had like 10 reviews. And so I figured before we dive into some week four fantasy advice, is it cool if I read one? Can can I do that?
1: Yeah, no, go go for it. I wanna I wanna hear this.
0: Sweet. Yeah, I figure this can be a weekly thing. So feel free to follow the show, drop a rating, and write a review, just like Alexis.eva did for us. And she said, or he said, I don't know, it's just a username. Uh, quote, stumbled across this podcast and it is amazing. The hosts are extremely insightful and knowledgeable about football and fantasy football, and has led me to a soon to be 3 0 start in my fantasy league. If, Yo, anyone, go. Yeah, if anyone wants to win, help decide out who to start and sit, find waiver wire gems, and learn about great buy low and sell high candidates, I definitely recommend checking out this podcast. What do you know? Look at that
1: there yo positive reviews we'd love to hear it especially like the undefeated record i mean zach that's just physical proof that we're we're making a difference <laughs> sport, right
0: exactly so i'll have another review actually to share later i figure from now on if we like keep having enough and people keep you know rating you know maybe maybe they don't maybe people like realize we suck and like we we don't know what we're talking about but if we if you guys keep dropping reviews then we'll just have to read a couple on the podcast each week if, if you're cool with that i didn't even run that by you does that sound good
1: yeah, I mean, if if we get enough of them, for sure. I mean, if if people, you know, talk bad about like, I guess I guess this isn't video, this is audio. I was gonna say if 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 they talk bad about my hair, then we might not have to do it. But
0: no way, they would never do that. It's <laughs> impossible. They can't do that. So well, yeah, we'll get in some reviews every now and no then. I got <laughs> and No hair slander on this podcast. We pride ourselves or at least at least you do. I don't know. I just kind of roll out of bed and see. What no, no, place. no. That
1: was one of the reasons why I selected you for a co-host. You had you had good lettuce.
0: Uh, I'm not on your level yet. I'm not on your level yet. I know it is a you are listening to this on a podcast network, but Cole's got like the flow, just like the surfer vibes, you know, the, the short sides. The I, I don't know how to surf. <laughs> I never <laughs> learned well you you do live in a landlocked state, so I, I don't blame True. you for that.
1: I don't yeah blame I grew you. up in Utah and then went to Arizona for college, so I just Yeesh. yeah, I don't like the coast apparently
0: <laughs> well, all we got is like the Gulf of Mexico and then some Atlantic Ocean. nothing crazy does, does
1: the University of Florida offer surfing
0: classes? I don't know. One of my friends is really into surfing, but he'll like drive to St. Augustine every now and then with his surfboard, but that is a good question. I think one of my professors is a surfer, too, actually, so I don't know. I'll have to look into that. So Anyway, enough about surfing. Let's dive into some fantasy football. It'll be just us today, but we do have a guest planned for next week. He's one of my go-to sources for fantasy insight, so I'm super excited about him joining us, but that'll be next week. Today, we'll kick things off, of course, with our weekly superlatives. What you got for me?
1: Yeah, I got you with the biggest volume glutton, which is basically my fancy term for a player that got a lot of targets or carries, but didn't necessarily produce. And I think a perfect example of this is Browns running back Nick Chubb. He had 22 attempts for 84 yards, and that's it. 8.4 Eight point four PPR points. He did a whole lot of running, but not a whole lot of scoring on the field and fantasy leagues. So that was really disappointing from from Chubb, who you expect weekly run running back one production from. And so yeah, hopefully that changes in in the coming weeks because we can't have those performances from our from our first round draft picks.
0: Yeah, he's just way too talented to be producing at a that low of a number. You know, my one my- level. Yes, exactly. It's uh, Kareem Hunt's been out playing him. Mean, you know, we kind of saw that coming into the season because he does get more work in the passing game. But either way, Chubb, we, we expect a little more from you, man. We expect a little bit more. Um, my first superlative is most likely to fizzle out. It's a player who was hot and now his stock is probably about to drop. And it's Tyson Williams. He just posted 2.2 points last week. And I was really adamant about. Listen, you guys really need to be cautious about those Ravens running backs. Lamar Jackson typically doesn't throw to running backs much, and considering he is the biggest running threat on the team, they don't really need to have a star running back. Obviously, we were hoping that'd be J.K. Dobbins. Didn't work out. Gus Edwards didn't work out, obviously, for reasons beyond their control. But then they bring in Tyson Williams, I think spent the last couple seasons on the practice squad. I'll have to fact check that. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, he may be the guy. And not really. No. I mean, even then, the fact that he was splitting carries with Latavius Murray, I don't know how much of the Ravens games you've been watching, but Murray's actually out Williams in important situations, especially last week against Detroit. Murray only had seven touches, but Williams had just two fewer than that. So I said I didn't want to share, especially since Lamar only threw the ball to running backs once all game. I really can't see Williams having any value going forward. I think if you drop him now, eh, maybe that's not a bad idea.
1: Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Like, why would Lamar throw to his running back, like, in the flat or on a dump off when he can just get the same amount of yards himself? And also the fact that Rashad Bateman's coming back this week. Yep. Hollywood Brown has been a nice surprise in his involvement in the passing game more than just sending him vertical every single play. So, I mean, yeah, definitely Tyson Williams is, is a name, to, that that is probably going to fall off a cliff here pretty soon. Um, moving on to my next part, I've got the biggest back pattern, which um, in, in, our, <laughs> in our visual recording of the podcast, and I'm going to do it right now, but a player you knew that was going to pop off this week, and this was a no-brainer for me, Deshaun Jackson against the Bucks, because Deshaun Jackson in a revenge game, that's just a given. He's going to bring his A game, three catches, 120 yards and a touchdown, 21.0 PPR points. Probably aren't going to see a performance like this from Jackson the rest of the season just because of you know how volatile he is. But when he's hungry, he's going to stick it to you. This was an easy call in my book.
0: Oh, yeah. Jackson, you already know, like, look, I don't think you had high expectations for him throughout the season overall. I know I didn't, but you, you know he's going to have a couple of games in there where he's just like, wow, is this like 2010, 2011 Deshaun Jackson right there?
1: Yeah. So DJX was Sammy Watkins before Sammy Watkins was Sammy Watkins. He's just like DJX <laughs> does it in other weeks that aren't week one.
0: <laughs> Sammy Watkins owns week one it is the Sammy Watkins week one but every now and then you get a Deshaun Jackson week so that's a good one you, you deserve that back pat my, mine's a little uh more on the negative side my final superlative before we start throwing some players at each other the most head-scratching performance it's Justin Fields and I should preface that a lot of it did not have to do with him but points in your starting debut that's uh I don't think anyone really expected that he was six for 20 68 passing yards He was three he had three rushes on the ground for 12 yards but that doesn't include all the times he was scrambling for his life he was sacked nine times it didn't look good but again like I said not a lot of it was on him like to be the most head-scratching performance and put it all on fields is a bit naive because Matt Nagy what are you doing what are you doing? Fields didn't look good. Like, no, but a lot of that was on the play design yeah. of the Bears offense. They kept him in the pocket. There was few designed reads, surprisingly. And even then, the ones that he did have didn't work out too hot in most cases, which – and that severely caps his upside because you can completely redesign your offense to tailor to your first-round quarterback. Andy Dalton is one thing, but it's like – You know, it's like going from, like, Kyle Trask to Emery Jones or uh, trying to think of other examples off the top of my head of just completely different type of quarterbacks. You had a chance to completely rewrite your offense, and you kind of didn't really do that. And, look, the Browns defense, I know, is not a cakewalk by any means, but the performance there by Fields, if anything, maybe I'll give this superlative to Fields and Matt Nagy because it's starting to look a lot right now, like, Nagy's days as the Bears head coach are winding down.
1: Yeah, I think I saw a rumor that, like, if the Bears lose to the Lions, Nagy could be out, which I'm not sure I necessarily buy too much. because I, I think yeah. Nagy still has a winning record with the Bears. Um, and I think that move would be a little bit, not, not unprecedented, but I feel like rushed, especially since you're trying to keep things as stable as possible as, you know, the Bears – move to transition their offense to or, or just accelerate the maturity of, of their young playmakers, right, that they're really counting on to be cornerstones of the future. But I, I just don't know why, like, Nagy gave up play calling last season and, and the Bears seemed to get a little bit better, or at least it, it provided a fresh perspective on on what the offense you know, needs to do right. And they took it back this season and same issues arise. Like it just, it starts with him. And and I don't know if it's like an ego thing with Nagy, but the bears are just better off with somebody else calling the plays and, and Matt Nagy, you know, handling other duties, right? Just don't Mm -hmm. hamper your offense because you just want to keep a stranglehold on the playbook. Mm -hmm.
0: To be fair, if Nagy was fired the offensive coordinator is Bill Lazer, and he hasn't had exactly glowing reviews at his tenure in the NFL either. But those were our superlatives. Now, normally, when we have a guest, we throw some players at him or her, and they'll run through them, say a couple sentences on them. Today, it's Cole versus me. We each got five players for each other. So, why don't you start? Give me, I'm guessing, a quarterback. We'll start. We always start with the quarterback, so throw me a player.
1: Yeah, yeah, Taylor Heineke, the, the, not new guy in Washington, but, but I mean, it's, it's his offense now. What have you seen from him?
0: I kind of like what I'm seeing. There's still, obviously, a lot left to be desired, but he is quarterback 14 in points per game across his two starts. He scored, like, around 10 points in week one after Fitzpatrick went down, but 20 points in each of the last two games. That has to make you take notice. Of course, he's limited as a passer, but he has solid weapons around him is clear rushing upside he's definitely a quarterback who I'm keeping an eye on not just as like a potential future starter for the Washington football team but maybe more importantly for us uh, a player who you could potentially pick up and maybe even start on your fantasy team although if you really need a quarterback right now I'd probably prefer Sam Darnold or Derek Carr but Heineke is definitely someone to check mark on your watch list right now so I here's one i love that that
1: dude yes i love that that dude just like wears his heart on his sleeve like every single play he like lives and dies through the emotions it's 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 amazing to watch
0: it's beautiful hollywood needs to pick him up uh pick up a movie about him they could do one about kurt warner maybe they'll do one about taylor heineke who knows Uh, (laughs) trying to think of a transition between my next quarterback i can't think of one so i'll just say his name joe burrow your thoughts
1: yeah, I mean, quarterback 22 on the year, not the most robust numbers. With that being said, he's played much better to start the season after those doubts in the preseason about, you know, his readiness, not really trusting the knee coming back from, you know, I think people forget that Joe Burrow didn't just have like an ACL injury. He had an MCL injury and then further structural damage that we really do not know the extent of. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a wonder that he's even like on the field to, to start the season, the first three weeks to begin with. And then also there's the fact that like, okay, the, yeah, the Bengals address the offensive line, but a lot of it needed to go right in order for the protection to improve and Burrow's still getting hit a lot. And so I think that plays part of it. With that being said, gets Jacksonville this week, a, a much nicer matchup after first three weeks have, have been tests for him, then Green Bay and Detroit after that. So there is potential for Burrow's numbers to eclipse that, that 20 point mark that has eluded him through, uh, through week three. And not only in week four, but beyond as we move past the quarter mark of the season. So I think Burrow's trajectory is definitely pointing up, especially as he trusts that knee more, as his, his re- receivers and him get on the same page. I think we'll see some good numbers from Burrow.
0: Yeah, it's kind of been about what I'd expect, like a slow start. I mean, the fact he, he looked good against Pittsburgh, he was only like fourteen for eighteen. So I don't really know how I feel. I don't think I like him enough to really roster him in fantasy leagues right now. Like if Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold are there, probably look at them instead. But he's not someone who to write off completely. Like he's still, he's still a good quarterback in a offense that is pretty nice for fantasy production. Yeah. I don't know if
1: you've seen this bleach report article floating around Zach, but it's, Hmm. it's written by Alex K and it's every, every player on every NFL or not every player, sorry, one player on every NFL team that should be benched. And it one of those players for the Buffalo bills was Devin Singletary. Mm. And so my thoughts are, on this what do you think about Zach Moss and him potentially redeeming himself from last season when we were they were deadlocked in a 50-50 split kind of seems like a different tune this time around
0: full transparency i had not seen this article so i thought you were going to say Joe Burrow and i was about to go off i was about to get oh, so no. angry oh
1: no 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 that that was my lame attempt at a transition um, <laughs> if the Bengals are benching Joe Burrow like this early in the season. Oh, yeah. We're not that, even gonna that's just like a major red flag for sure. Yeah, no
0: way. Uh, but hey, Zach Moss, okay, not too shabby, nice name, spells it the wrong way. RB twenty five. He missed a game one. <laughs> Last two games, hey, RB ten, not bad, but he's still splitting with Devin Singletary after Singletary kind of balled out in week one. In week three, Moss had forty-five snaps, singletary had thirty-three. Moss had 24 routes run Singletary 21 Moss had three targets Singletary had two and Moss had 13 carries and Singletary had 11 so despite this gap in production Singletary is still involved enough to make me a little cautious about Moss but it is encouraging that they decide to really pound the rock when they're winning so I'm not like super high on Moss. He's a good value player to have. If he's your third running back, okay, fourth running back, that's a great situation to be in. So I don't really – it's not like I don't think you should trade him away. But I think his stock is probably going to hit a ceiling soon because this is just a team that is not going to feed Zach Moss enough to make him a reliable starter every single week. So if he has a big game, you should consider pouncing on that opportunity and seeing what you could get on the trade wire.
1: So you, you're you more in favor of capitalizing you know, in, mm-hmm. the, in the trade market as opposed to yeah. having a dependable – you know, option to sub in on your roster.
0: It's like, I don't even know if he's like how dependable he is. It's not that he's bad, but it through two weeks, like he's looking pretty good, but it's also kind of on par with where we saw him play and how we saw he was used from last season. And it's kind of like, all right, like it's not too sustainable when you're not playing as much as other running backs who are just producing at better rates. So I would consider trading him away, but hey, if he's on your team and like you decide to keep him, yeah, that's totally fine. Totally fine. Uh I got a running back for you and he has been a very hot topic. It's the second year in the league and I think fantasy football community has been all over him since day 0, not even day 1. Clyde edwards Elaire There's probably a lot of groans going on right now from our listeners.
1: Yeah, uh, you're just going to have to sit through this. I mean, 8.2 <laughs> fantasy points per game. I mean, this is a guy people were tabbing in the draft process as, as someone that could be fantasy viable his rookie season. Then people just went into overdrive when he was drafted by the Chiefs. But those 8.2 points a game just are not cutting it. He's, he's top 10 in rushing attempts and top 11 in rushing yards. But CEH just cannot get into the end zone as a rusher. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I, it's because Patrick Mahomes and, and the passing offense is so effective getting touchdowns through the air, maybe, but we saw also last year where he was getting stuffed on the goal line. Like this is a common trend that Clyde Edwards, helaire is a decent real life running back. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll get the first down, he'll get the necessary yards and he'll get his due volume. But when it comes to putting points on the board, Scoring, I mean, I think he has a receiving touchdown this year, but only one, and he, it's not like he's he's this, you know, dominant Kareem Hunt-type pass-catching back either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just think we all want CEH to be this, like, proverbial bell cow for Kansas City, but I'm not really sure that's even possible in his offense, especially when that desired bell cow isn't scoring
0: on the ground couldn't have said it any better myself his usage is relatively high at the position right now i mean you've seen 66 percent of the snaps he's averaging roughly 15 carries you would like more of that but at the same time that's kind of a ceiling in an offense that doesn't really need it to revolve around him he's just kind of there, helping out in any way he can
1: yeah i mean if if you want to talk about usage the Cardinals are, are using like all of their pass catchers so oh, much yeah. so that DeAndre Hopkins is fourth on the team in targets and who's above him? Well, Christian Kirk. So how do you feel about him for fantasy? And is, is he more consistent than he is? Is he more consistent this season than he has been in years past?
0: I feel like the fantasy community was much higher on Kirk a season ago. I think I my brother wasn't. was like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people were like, oh, this is going to be his year. And it kind of really wasn't. He is wide receiver 15 right now. So props to him, I guess. Uh, he had a huge explosion in week one. Only saw four targets in week two, but he still managed 9.5 points in PPR. And then he had eight targets at Jacksonville, but D-Hop really wasn't at full health. Kirk's role in the slot, like that, that's great, but he can also play outside. It's just there are a lot of mouths to feed, and he's only playing about 60% of the team's snaps. It doesn't help that Rondell Moore, who is mostly playing his snaps in the slot, it's kind of like a Kirk v. Moore type of battle for that role, Mm -hmm. and if I had to guess, I think Kirk's stock may just start fizzling down a little bit. Don't get me wrong, Kirk's still rosterable. I just... I can't be confident in starting him and considering that he is still wide receiver 15. He's a perfect player to sell high, try to trade in trade talks because I just can't see him sustaining this type of production. If he is a consistent weekly starter by the end of the season, I'll be shocked.
1: Yeah. I really wanted Kirk to like slide into that, like Cooper cup, not, not this season, but like, two or three seasons ago where he was being drafted like that echelon of receivers that are dependable. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's just the way that Kingsbury wants to keep a balanced passing attack. He's got this shiny new toy and, and Rondell Moore that he's still trying to figure out where, where his best place in the offense is. So, I mean, I, th- I think Kirk is always going to be a factor in this offense and he's, he's going to get his due targets, but just that production is, is going to fluctuate on, on a weekly basis. 100%.
0: Got a few more receivers and a couple tight ends on 10 takes. Then we will get into a fan Q and a Cole's got a good look at a quarterback in a little bit. We got, what else we got? Oh yeah. Buy sell or hold some trade candidates. What are your thoughts on Corey Davis right now? We'll keep the 10 takes rolling. He's been all right. Like pretty decent for the jets. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I really liked Davis before the season. I thought, New York handing him that contract was, I think, necessary, especially to have, like, you know, a veteran, former first round pick for your rookie re- receiver and 26 burger in, in week one. I mean, that was a good sign, basically non existent, though, in week two. And then Zach Wilson was just awful against the Broncos. Yes. He still gave Davis 10 targets, though. So this Jets offense is kind of in limbo. You never know what, what they're going to look like each week. And it really depends on how Wilson plays because he can pull off some plays. We've seen that this season. He'll look like a rookie on others. I mean, he'll just sail passes in, into double coverage. He's always going to have his number one target in mind, though. And I think that's, that's good, like considering Davis is getting that necessary volume. It's just depending on, it, on if that volume is going to hit or not. And so I think the, pro- the production is going to fluctuate. I think we should treat Davis as like a volatile wide receiver three from here on out though it, it, he's not going to be in your lineup consistently but uh, given the right matchup right he he's going to be an option that you can lean to especially with bye weeks coming up he gets the falcons next patriots once again that one's going to be tough because i mean they they bamboozled wilson in, in week <laughs> 2 right and and bill Belichick and these rookie quarterbacks they, they never do well against against bellatrix right Bengals the week after that And so I think those, you know, first and third matchups that are coming up are going to be the ones to target where you potentially might have Davis in your lineup. So it's really just going to be pick and choose based on the matchups.
0: I would totally keep riding with Davis. It's just like, my thing is the jets are treating him like a wide receiver one. He's playing the most snaps out of any jet skill Mm player player. But Zach Wilson isn't really treating him like a wide receiver. One he Davis only yeah, had yeah. one more target than Barrios. Three more. It's not like the running game War. is working either. Yeah, Two. it is just so tough to buy into a bad offense. It is yeah. bad, yeah. not good at all. Uh, one offense that's been pretty good lately, actually, is the Raiders. You got any players you want me to talk about?
1: Yeah, man, and it's not Brian Edwards because I mean that that is like thank that. God. That is not going to happen, right? (laughs) As as long as if the fantasy community is is dead set on if we say Brian Edwards's name one too many times, that he will finally come into fruition as like this Megatron like wide receiver that's going to transform the Raiders' offense. In reality, let's just focus on you know the first round pick from two years ago, Henry ruggs because Mm -hmm. I think ruggs does a lot of behind the scenes work for the Raiders that goes you know unnoticed to the casual viewer. But lately, we've been seeing some of that production actually show up in the stat sheet and now people are finally taking notice of rugs so are, are you still split on on this dude or you know is is gruden finally finding yeah. ways to get his electric playmaker the ball
0: admittedly i uh had very low expectations for the raiders this season and they are blowing that out of the water so props to them i apologize to any raiders fans who are <laughs> listening but this wide receiver room is all over the place the apps were mentioned brian edwards uh that's the last time we'll mention him like ever probably <laughs> he's playing the most snaps but R- hunter renfro was the one who's seeing the most targets even if it is by slim margin but Henry Ruggs has been the second most productive, also by some margin behind Renfro. But Ruggs has the highest average depth of target. And I do got to give props to Derek Carr because he's been pretty good at spreading the ball around. But with Ruggs, it's, it's his role is only evolved just a little bit. He's still kind of that downfield big play receiver and those guys are so volatile like i think there's a clear path for rugs kind of takes on what marquise brown's really been doing still the deep threat guy but they're really using brown uh the ravens are to spread out the rest of the field to open up the passing game and of course you know get the ball in his hands because he's just a playmaker i think that's the path rugs can take i don't know if that happens this season so I, I kind of question his overall usage for the most part, although it is more sustainable this season. I think if you have him, he's going to be a player who one week he's going to have a, an explosion of fantasy points, and the other week he'll leave you out to dry. So maybe, again, just kind of like with Christian Kirk, feel free to capitalize on those big games and try to sell them while you can.
1: Yeah, I think last season he didn't have more than four or, four or five targets in a game. And then when you look at his stats this season as well, like two catches against the Ravens, five against the Steelers, and four against the Dolphins. So I mean, this isn't a super high, you know, volume guy. And really, he's just making it making it work with his with his legs. If you just see like his average uh, for for each catch, twenty three yards. 22.6 oh. yards per catch in 19.5 like th- this dude is just making the most of his opportunities mm-hmm. and-, and i'm not sure that's necessarily sustainable either
0: it really it really isn't it really isn't and i don't want to say he's too inconsistent because i think he's kind of his floor has risen a bit this season but one player mm-hmm. who's kind of always been so inconsistent to me is dj shark you got any good takes on him or are we gonna have to end this show early
1: no, I, I we're talking about two players I liked a lot back to back, and Davis and DJ Chark. And so I've always been impressed by Chark's efficiency. That has worked out well so far this season, and it, it's it's really just coming off of those two touchdowns, right? He's he's got two of those scores, trips to the end zone on seven catches, one hundred fifty or fifty yard, one hundred fifty four yards receiving. <laughs> had to sound that one out. And Lawrence is airing it out, right? He's just not connecting. I mean, Chark, he has 22 targets on the season. That's third on the Jaguars behind Chanel and Marvin Jones, but they're all in that 20s range, right? I think, I think Chanel has like 26, Marvin Jones is 28. And so this is a pass first, you know, Jaguars offense. And really, it just, once again, it depends on the rookie quarterback, it depends on the inexperienced NFL play caller right now and Urban Meyer. And so it's just a lot of a lot of growing pains in this in this offense. Yeah, I think is is what's happening.
0: It's kind of like the Jets' offense. Just it's really tough to buy a share of a player in an offense that is not clicking. And Shark to me is just kind of he's too volatile. Like he's a matchup based play. He's the second most targets right now on the team. Like it's kind of tough for me to buy into a wide receiver who's not even the wide receiver one on his own team. That was Marvin Jones. Kind of saw that coming. Not gonna lie. So I'm not a huge fan yeah. of Chark right now. Anyway, if you can't tell I, I like consistency. I like knowing what my players are gonna do. You are not getting that with Chark. If you throw him in your lineup, you are hoping for his upside. Otherwise, that floor is pretty low.
1: Yeah, I think the people that labeled Marvin Jones as going to be the top fantasy receiver from that from that trio look really smart right now. Because I mean, yeah, the, the dude's been in the league the longest it's kind of obvious that Lawrence is going to trust that target more. And he's, he's going, he's seen a lot of balls played with multiple quarterbacks. So he knows, you know, how to, how to adjust to the catch and, and help his rookie quarterback out. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, we got two players left on 10 takes. I got one, but you give me one first. Let's keep it yeah, rolling. It,
1: it looks like we both have a tight end and this also ties into what I'm going to talk about later, but Tyler Conklin, on the Vikings. It, it, Irv Smith went down to injury tight end position. got put in limbo. It, are, are you buying into this?
0: So I had him in my waiver column on Tuesday over at the draft network, which you can find everywhere on my social media at Zach co had to get the plug in there. He <laughs> is getting more involved, which is nice. And I, I devote followers of me would remember that I mentioned him on the TBN fantasy live rankings reveal. Him. Back in July with so I guess like the vote followers, just my parents. Thank you to them. Uh, <laughs> He's not really worthy of a starting role yet, but if you need tight end depth, like why not take a flyer? I think there's a clear role for him in Minnesota. Just don't really get your hopes up because I think what we saw over the weekend, what 17 ish points, he played roughly 82% of the Viking snaps. That that might be his ceiling, especially when you have Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, adam thielen and even kj osborne all taking reps from him so i'd keep an eye on him for sure not worthy of a star yet if you really need a tight end though especially in like a 12 team or 14 team league yeah why not put in a claim for him
1: yeah that's just a gross phrase right there tight end depth i can never on my fantasy Ugh. roster
0: well there is one player who i think would actually be perfect for teams who need a tight end right now and it's dawson knox uh, I was banging the table for him before week three and he made me look pretty darn good. What do you think about Knox?
1: I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a sold because I mean, obviously we, we love a touchdown dependent tight end, right? I mean, when it, when it pans out, then you look like a genius. If it doesn't, you're left with somebody that gets like two or three catches for 26 yards and, and you're hovering around five or six points on a weekly basis. So I, once again, like, this is this is probably depth. Only pick up and field if, if you're absolutely desperate. He isn't going to see more than five looks a game. I think he has, like, four, three, and two targets in in mm-hmm. his three games this season. Um, I might have to double-check that, but...
0: Yeah, something like
1: it, that. Not enough. It's, it's going to be capped at, at somewhere around that number. Five or six targets. Probably not going to catch all of them. So, really, you're just banking on that that one money grab that's going to pay off for you that
0: week. 100%. Well, those were our 10 takes. And before we get into our next segment, first time we've ever done this, feel free to leave a review, Apple podcasts, Spotify, any other podcast platform that you are using to listen to us on the, you can do it on the believe website, I believe too. feel free to rate us write a review write a review maybe we will read it in a future episode and uh of course tell us how to sign off we'll have that rant later as we seem to always do now
1: and give us like a divisive take too because i feel like zach and i just like really tend to agree on a lot of this stuff and and that's why we originally did the podcast too is Mm because we we were like okay like-minded college students you know Mm -hmm. Um, both go to, you know, pretty up and coming, you know, D one football programs or not up and Florida's <laughs> pretty established Arizona yes, so. kind of trying and crack in the AP top 25 and really, really prove their worth in the Pac 12 South. But, uh, yeah, we, we need somebody to disagree on that, that we're really like butting heads at, and I don't think that has to be fantasy either. Like give us something real life. Like, I mean, I don't know. What, what what is something what is something that you just flight
0: feel passionately about uh I can't believe this is the first thing that comes to my mind because I had heated debates with it with my friends all the time how do you eat rice uh usually with a fork that's ridiculous that's just like stupid it's like why would you use a fork You're like a spoon just has so much a more. Spoon? Yeah, it's just oh it's gosh. so much more rice on the spoon. There's no holes for the rice to fall through. You're not like okay, I have so enough. Do you eat mac and cheese with a spoon too? Yeah, it's kind of whatever I have. No. I, maybe I do help. sometimes. That doesn't make it's any not, sense that. It's not falling through. Like the mac and cheese not falling through the fork. Spoon you can get more. Fork gets the job done. I guess it's a spoon gets the job so much better with rice. So Are you happy now? Are you happy that you have divided us on this very hot button issue? Well,
1: I I can't let you have the last word because usually you're not just eating plain rice. You're eating rice with, like, some sort of curry or some sort of, like, you know, chicken or or Chinese food, you know, chow mein. And so a a spoon, you can't really, like, spear things with. That's a good point. If if you want to have the rice as a complement along with something other on your plate, then you got to have the fork to really like spear different areas of your plate. And you can't really do that as effectively with a spoon. Okay. That's, that's, why a good point. I, that's why I prefer a fork.
0: That's a good point, but I'm getting the last word in because if you ever go to like, like say, Hey, Hibachi or something, and you got the fried rice first, you know, there's like, maybe there's some veggies in there, but even then the spoon just, just gets it done. You're not going to spear those little veggies, but you do have a point. You do it sometimes. I think I'm going to have to get chicken fried rice for dinner tonight. Now. Thank you for that. Sometimes you got to spear the chicken. That's fine. That's true. The beef, steak, whatever you got in the rice, but the rice itself, you know, spoon all day, every day. I
1: just can't believe you're one of those one of those weirdos that like isolate areas that plate.
0: You got it all together sometimes sometimes not it's, a, I don't know, it's a, kind of depends like I, th- I think the real issue is that when i get the food i'm eating it right away like if i'm at a, the only time i can really think about when i'm eating rice that is separate from the actual like meat in it is with hibachi and the rice normally comes first i'm just like eating that right away you know but then the steak comes and then i mix it in and it's all good and i hope you are happy because not only am i hungry but i'm sure many of our listeners are also <laughs> starving and yeah. this is not helping
1: yeah, so give us more takes like that, right? We lo- <laughs> we love seeing Zach get animated about the way he eats his rice.
0: You have no idea. Maybe we'll <laughs> maybe in the off season we'll just do a food only episode, and I'm gonna get so many people riled up. It's gonna be great. It's going to be magnificent. Anyway, let's get back to football because i i don't know about you but i'm seeing a lot of talk and commotion about trades right now in fantasy season. That's yeah, the and sweet
1: spot of the season for that, right?
0: It's perfect because you get the first 3 weeks and it's kind of like those are your patterns. Barring like a player who's missed a game or two or anything like covid or something like that, you kind of can tell what each player's roles are starting to shape up to be. Then after week 4, it's kind of like these are the roles, these are the, their roles. Things do change, as always, especially after bye weeks. The bye week comeback or drop-off is so real. Hopefully, we can talk more about that in later episodes. But we each have two players, and we're going to fit them into a category, either buy, sell, or hold. So why don't you kick things off with a player who you think should hold on to, you should sell right away, or you should go after.
1: Yeah, I got Dalton Schultz, and – a lot of people last season were looking at this guy as maybe a a dependable tight end option for the future. He obviously got hurt. And then this season we're we're sort of seeing that production bleed through as well. I mean, through the first three weeks, I think Schultz is is fifth in the tight end among tight ends with 40.3 PPR points. I don't even think he's, he's even rostered by many leagues, but if, if you do decide to roster him and he blows up again, I would sell high on this dude because he and Blake Jarwin are seeing almost pretty much even splits in the workload. They're pretty interchangeable. Dallas really doesn't care who they send out when the person now requires a tight end. They're running the same number of routes. They're getting the same number of snaps. He's not a huge red zone threat either because you know, Amari Cooper and uh, CD Lamb are going to dominate that. So this isn't sustainable. If you if you could find a tight end starved team in your league that's ready to buy, they see that, you know, number 5 in among tight ends, it, label near Dalton Schultz's name, then you can probably barter for a hefty return, but I would not count on this guy to be like the next dependable tight end
0: mm-hmm. for the future. 100% and it is kind of like We've been saying all along, don't chase the production, chase the usage, because that's going to be so much more sustainable. And I'm glad that you started off with Schultz, because I was actually going to do a one player now, but I think I'm going to change it up a bit, because Allen Robinson is being used as a wide receiver one right now, but his production has not been there. He's wide receiver 36 overall on the season. That is not great, but let's take a step back real quick. First game, game one, 9.5 points at the Rams. Second game, 10.4 versus the Bengals. And then game three, 4.7 versus the Browns in that dreaded display of offense by Matt Nagy and the Bears. (laughs) But he's still seeing 21 targets. He's still playing nearly 80% of the Bears' snaps. Yet, overall, out of all NFL receivers, he's only tied 36th 36th for most targets. So I think there is room to grow and be more involved here already on top of the usage that he's seeing within the bears offense. Look, we know he's very good. He's been quarterback proof throughout his career, putting up numbers with Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky and God knows how we all feel about those two quarterbacks kind of got to look though and see two main things. One, His upcoming schedule, that's pretty nice. He gets the Lions. They have allowed the third most points to opposing wide receivers. And then in in the next six games, only one team, only one team aside from Green Bay, I think they've allowed the second fewest points to receivers. Every other team, you get the Saints, the Lions, the 49ers, they're averaging the 11th most points per game allowed to opposing fantasy wide receivers. In translation, if Robinson's gonna turn it around, it's going to happen soon. It's gonna happen within the next five or six games because that's just how good he is. So I think he's a great buy-low candidate right now in all fantasy formats. I would go out and try to get Robinson if I were you.
1: Yeah, me too. A Rob has always been heralded as like that quarter po- quarterback proof wide receiver. There's only a few guys in the league that can really fit that description. But Mm -hmm. I think Robinson is, is usually at the forefront of people's minds when that term is expressed. You can't really do much, even if you are quarterback proof, if the entire offense is in flux. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I I bet that the bears, you know, iron this out, especially as, as fields, gets more comfortable and he doesn't face like a top five defense in the league in the Browns. So I, I would definitely bet on, on Robinson improving as, as the season mm-hmm. goes on, but just the bears are in flux right now. It's 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 just a tough situation that I think drastic changes need, need to be made over in Chicago, and I think that those changes are going to happen, especially if there's a repeat performance against the Lions.
0: Oh, yeah. It's – they need – something needs to happen like ASAP, but at least you got a talented wide receiver to do it so what other player you got we got two more players left before you dive into an under radar under the radar quarterback then we'll churn through some fan q a read one last review and figure out how to sign off so are you what player are you buying selling or holding next
1: yeah let's go back to the nfc east miles sanders oh boy. and sanders before the season started people were, were questioning, you know, is this guy even going to be the lead back in Philadelphia? They brought in Kenneth Gainwell, right? Uh, his backfield security was was kind of threatening. But what may be even more concerning is the fact that Sanders only had two carries. Yes, you heard that right. Two Jesus. in week three against the Cowboys. Jalen Hurts actually was, in fact, the leading rusher for the Birds with, with nine attempts And the week before that Sanders didn't do much either 7.9 points on a, on a chunk of carries, you know, two catches for four yards, big whoop. The thing is, is last week. The running game struggled as a whole for Philadelphia. They only had three, three rushing attempts total from their running back room. And so this doesn't make Sanders an exciting option at the moment. And he also landed himself on the injury report. And for managers last season, that had Sanders, that had Sanders, he struggled to get off that last season. It kind of, you know, left a sour taste in manager's mouths because of that start to the season, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can easily leverage this information for a sweet deal for Sanders because, so I, I would buy him this is a guy whose, whose situation is more secure than one would think because if you remember Boston Scott a season ago, many people thought he could, you know, dip into that workload. He didn't. And that volume is going to improve. I don't know how the Eagles can look at last game against the Cowboys and be like, oh yeah, we ran our running backs three times. Let's do that again. Let's let's continue to just put the offense in Jalen Hurts' hands for the entirety of the game. I, I mean, for NFL offenses you strive for balance and even if you if you don't reach that balance you at least try and get somewhere close to it where you're 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 keeping not not an even number of passing and running plays but you want to have enough so that the defense can't lean one way or the other and so Philadelphia just running three run run plays the entire game is is just it's going to improve and th- there's no way that this offense is going to stay like that. And that bodes well for Sanders, who I think is is probably the best playmaker on the Eagles right now.
0: Oh, yeah. It is the drawback of playing on national TV because your mistakes are just as amplified as your successes. And let's keep in mind, Sanders is still really talented. I don't know if I'd go out and buy him. I think I'd be more on the, the hold side or like wait to see if you don't have him. But another player who is super talented – that I think has been, was, man, like, people were hyping this guy up. Kyle Pitts. Let's get this out of the way. You probably drafted him too high. Rookie tight ends rarely do well, and it doesn't help that Atlanta hasn't really used him as much as a receiver as some people, including myself, Thought he would. Look, his first game, 7.1 points. That's fine. 12.3 points the next game. That's good. Those were two right there. That already makes him a top 10 tight end. And then 5.5 points on just three targets in week three in a game against the Giants that honestly I keep forgetting about. Not great. It's not great. Luckily, he's still tight end 13. He was 24.9 points throughout the season. And he's seen the third most targets on the team, which on the surface is about what you would expect. You have Calvin Ridley and then what Mike Davis is there, but Pitts is also as a second highest snap count among offensive skill players only behind Calvin Ridley. So he's still being used heavily. He's still very talented. He's not a player to sell. If you want to go buy him, sure. But I think it's one of those guys just like kind of wait and see, because it just may be that this Falcons offense is too bad to really have a good share on so and this kind of goes for mike davis calvin really and kyle pitts let's see what this offense can do before we can really make a definitive stance of whether you should buy them or sell them so true with kyle pitts
1: so you're saying you're not dropping kyle pitts for dalton schultz anytime
0: soon? oh no <laughs> i oh man i i hope i hope i so hope somebody did not do that but yeah just wait and see wait and see like he's still talented they're probably going to use him at some point like the way we thought he would but like to be a top five tight end that it's actually not that hard you just need like a touchdown or two like every like four or five weeks like heck we could probably do it you know (laughs) but just keep an eye on him no need to panic right away just hold on to kyle pitts so that was our first buy-seller hold, and now we go to Cole's close-up. Yeah, we need a soundboard. We really need a soundboard. We really do, man. We need sponsors. Then we need a soundboard. If you, yes, you, the valuable listener, as I talk into my Emphasis microphone,
1: valuable. My gosh. Huh? I said what? emphasis on val-
0: valuable, valuable, mm-hmm. especially if you're paying us, uh, <laughs> you are more than welcome to sponsor this podcast in any way you got a business. Heck you want to sponsor it for like five, $10. I'm just kidding. I don't really know how that works, but yeah, feel free to sponsor us. And on that note, that very awkward transition. What are you looking at today? You got an under the radar quarterback you think deserves some more love. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes.
1: If you look <clears throat> at the stat sheet, then it's it's kind of obvious why I'm talking about this player, it's quarterback seven on the season, Kirk Cousins. But if you aren't if you aren't doing that, then Kirk Cousins is dealing and you aren't paying attention because this dude has back to or back to back to back weeks over 20 fantasy points. He had 22.0 versus Bengals, 25.3 against the Cardinals, and 25.1 versus the Seahawks. And he lost all three of those games by or not all three, but the margin of victory in all three of those games has been a combined seven points. So, I mean, this dude is playing it close, he's accurate, and he's slinging it, right? He's hitting all all of his throws. Thielen and Jefferson are top ten wide receivers because of it, both of them. And he's giving up the workload too. I think Jefferson has 30 targets, Thielen has 26, everyone – is feasting, you know, 300 passing yards in two of those games and most importantly, no interceptions. He's taking care of the football. He's making smart decisions. And uh, this is where we kind of pump the brakes, right? We've seen this from Cousins before where he'll start the season, you know, he'll go on like a, a nice 5 to 6 game stretch where he's he's calm, collected in the pocket, he's making the right reads and then the old cousins returns where it's those mental mistakes that plague him down the stretch, the poor pocket presence, you know, he gets knocked out of rhythm with his targets and and the offense suffers this year kind of feels a little bit different though. I mean, I think, I think cousins is really coming into his own. This, this Minnesota offense is, is super potent. It's year two of Justin Jefferson I think you can expect this kind of fantasy consistency from Cousins moving forward. And if, if he's going to keep hitting those, those you know mid-25, possibly 30 marks, because he has yet to throw for 400. I mean, it's only been three weeks, but I think there's a, a very real possibility Kirk Cousins goes for like three or four touchdowns, 400 passing yards this season at some point. And he's a dependable weekly fantasy starter at this point. As long as he keeps his production up, I think there's no reason that should change.
0: He's picking up right where he left off from last season. He was quarterback eight through the final nine weeks of the 2020 season. Then here he is being a top like six, seven quarterback, whatever format you decide to use. He's averaging more than 24 points per game. He's got no interceptions outside of fantasy football. Is he enough to really get the Vikings to the promised land? Probably not, but hey. He's here for your fantasy team. So well said, well said indeed, which brings us, of course, to our fan Q&A. We got five questions throughout space and time and social media. Why don't we kick things off with this one via Instagram from Eli underscore Rosenthal. Again, we don't have to spend too much time on these. No no, a need for an essay, just the nitty and the gritty, the meat and the bones, Eli asks, do I trade a combination or two of Calvin Ridley, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Mike Williams for Joe Mixon?
1: I say no, mostly just because, I mean, Mike Williams is, we've really seen him step it up this season into a different gear. And then Debo Samuel is is number one target in San Francisco. It's going to stay like that. Jamar Chase back to back. To back weeks with a touchdown, Calvin Ridley, alpha wide receiver in Atlanta, and then the the player you're trading for is a, a running back, a supposed a supposed running back one that you know has failed to you know keep that status consistently for the for the season, and so maybe trade one of them, but I sure as hell wouldn't trade two.
0: Yeah, you should rarely rarely trade two starters for one start and look mixing for as productive as he has been or unproductive based on your viewpoint he's still the third most used running back in football even behind a subpar offensive line he's still been good not great but good Uh, he's finally getting third down passes and as valuable as that is the point's got to be there too he's a yeah. he's a good player i guess to buy low on for what it's worth but again you're in this situation you're trying to trade two starters for one starter maybe do one i don't know i probably wouldn't do that if i were you Eli but for this question from real underscore j underscore Ike also via instagram should i look to trade away AJ brown? I don't think so.
1: I think this is where you just kind of have to ride the rough patch and, and maybe put in, you know, your your depth for a few games until until Brown figures it out or, or until the, the Titans really start leaning his way. But I mean, I think I think Brown is a top 10 receiving talent, you know, when things are going his way. This sort of happened last season, too, where he got hurt. He had like a, a bone bruise or something through the, through the first four weeks of the season, and we were asking the same the same questions: is, is AJ Brown, you know, really all that relevant at the time? Corey Davis was also stepping up, and potentially you know looking to earn the bag in free agency, right? I think just slow down on Rob on on Brown, and really you know ride ride this rough patch and bank on him stepping it up, you know, week. Uh, week seven through eight and beyond
0: i probably wouldn't trade brown either i agree with you like he has seven catches on 19 targets obviously he missed a game he was banged up for another one defensive backs yeah they're covering him well but he's still heavily involved he's still playing enough snaps and i really like wait a couple weeks before you make a move on him just so you can have a clearer picture on him another question this one the last one of the five about trades kind of a kind of a doozy so bear with me This one coming from TikTok at underscore E-L-I-S-E-H-L-S-2. I'm guessing that's Elise H-L-S-2. Do I trade James Robinson and Devontae Smith for David Montgomery and Antonio Brown? And before you go, I need to go because I am so torn in this. I didn't think I would be. I really didn't. But let's break this down real quick. James Robinson... He seems to have kicked Carlos Hyde aside. He's been the main cast catching back, and he's been the main back in general. Hyde's still there, of course, but Jacksonville was up for a good portion of the Week Three game, so they ran the ball more, kind of inflated Robinson's stock a bit. So that's J Rob, Devontae Smith. He leads Philly in targets, only two more than Jalen Raker, who has been surprisingly almost as involved as Devontae Smith. Smith only has eleven receptions on twenty-one targets, though, so it's not uber efficient for him and watching these eagle games it's kind of clear they're not really opening the playbook up for him as much as really they should uh though he does look solid and the next few weeks in the schedule for him are kind of easy so i like that then the other side of the trade dave montgomery and antonio brown with montgomery fields is probably going to take a few carries like he did against cleveland and this is just looking like a bad offense right now not a good offense montgomery saw four targets each in the last two games it's not great his carry, his carry uptake, what from 16 to 20 to 10. But this whole idea that because like it dropped down from 10 or 22 to 10 against Cleveland was that the bears were down. I'm not really buying that. Uh, because if you, when you look at back when they played the Rams, they were down versus the Rams and it, Montgomery still went for 16, one Oh two and a touchdown for 18.8 points. So I just think that's kind of how this offense with fields at the helm is uh, affecting Montgomery a bit. Then of course, AB, he's not the number one option, but since joining Tampa Bay, when he's on the field, Brady has looked in Brown's way the most, and he doesn't play as much as Evans or Godwin, but Brown's still proven to be very good. Yeah. There's a lot of mouths to feed there, but AB has been really efficient for when he's on the field. So I am so torn. It's kind of like, you really got to balance the usage versus the production with these guys. I don't well, – what you said you – like, are do you have a definitive answer in this? I really don't know.
1: I don't have a definitive answer, but I just like looking at the name, I feel like I would be more confident with David Montgomery and Antonio Brown. Okay. Mostly, I mean, for the, for the reasons that you just said, I have faith that this Bears offense is going to improve, and I think it's going to improve by the reliance – you know, on the run game to, to get things rolling for fields. And then, I mean, with, with Brown also, I think you said that there's a little bit too many mouths to feed in the Bucks offense. I think that's also like a good thing because that means defenses are going to be centered around Godwin and Mm -hmm. and Mike Evans. And you can also scheme those players to get looks open for, for Brown underneath, which I think is where he's at its best, right? You put him in isolation against the cornerback let him win the one-on-one inside and then just have Brown, you know, work his magic after the catch. I think, I think that's the role that he's best suited for in the, in this buck bucks offense that, I mean, Godwin is, is good at that, but I mean, Evans certainly isn't a yards after catch guy. um, And Godwin is more of like a technician in sort of the intermediary levels of the field. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would probably lean. I would pull the trigger on this trade and trade for, you know, Montgomery Mm -hmm. and Brown in this scenario Especially since, you know the the offenses of of the the other side. I mean, Robinson and, and Smith are are both like very very testy. I'd say. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, you sold me. You sold me. Pull the trigger, Montgomery yes. Brown. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I, I know. You, like, I, I would be a little more comfortable with with Montgomery and AB. Uh, this one from. Instagram as well. Seth Fine, should I start Kittle or Gronk this week? Gronk plays the Patriots, and Kittle plays the Seahawks.
1: Oh, man. I'm so tempted to just, like, throw Gronk in there for the sake of, like, the revenge game and just have, like, Uh Brady and and Gronk just rub it in Belichick's face. Then again, I don't really feel like Brady harbors, like – that type of animosity towards Belichick to enough for like him and Gronk to be like, okay, yeah, we we need to run it up on our, on our old coach.
0: Mm. Gronk, I I think is like not fully healthy either. I think he's likely going to play, but remember that rib shot he took?
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this one's tough because I still feel like Kittle is the, is the better option because he has a more defined role in his offense. And, and I mean, what we were just talking about with Antonio Brown, like there are mouths to feed. In that Bucks offense, and I, I think Gronk is more touchdown dependent than he is than he has been in years past or in in his fantasy prime. So I would I, I would honestly go with Kittle here. I mean he he had a rough week two, kind of bounced it back in in week three. You would expect for him to be a top target against against the Seahawks
0: especially since Seattle has really not been that great against tight ends this year they played the Colts, the Titans and the Vikings and they didn't they weren't really too hot. they were not hot at all. they were uh, I think the uh, uh, surrendered the 11th most points to fantasy tight ends and keep in mind Kittle's just playing more snaps. he's played on every single one but three of them. Kittle's safer. You can definitely make a case for Gronk, but keep an eye on the injury status too because I feel like if he's not fully healthy, then it's almost a lock to be. Yeah. Settled. Yeah. Well, last question we got from Ty underscore Higby on Instagram. Straight up just said, see Patterson <laughs> synopsis. Synopsis on Cordell Patterson. You got anything? Not, not really. Mostly just because like I I don't really
1: want to watch the Falcons. <laughs> You know, but I, I hear that he is is really tearing up the backfield there, upsetting a lot of Mike Davis fantasy managers. And oh, yeah. uh I, I can't believe we're we're talking about Cordell Patterson as Weird. like an option a weekly option at running back that just that blows my mind
0: he is starter worthy he's seen one fewer target than mike davis and he actually is the second most touches on the on the team also behind davis uh he's putting up the points like i think patterson's a borderline flex player with rb2 upside and for god's sake please give him wide receiver designation (laughs) that needs to happen he's playing two roles here Oh, that is our final fan q a of course you are always more than welcome to send yours in uh you can hit us up on instagram twitter tiktok he's at ham analysis i am at zach cohen fb Mm -hmm. and we do have one more review i said we'd start with one and end with one so why don't we end with one this one from mikey how eight who said quote I listened to this podcast and immediately got the advice I need for my fantasy team. The fan Q&A is awesome help, and this podcast is great for advice. The fact that there are two opinions on this podcast is great because you can really tell what's good and what's not for your team. I will continue to listen as I am very pleased with what I hear. A plus with two exclamation points. Wow. Let's go. Glowing.
1: I know I gave myself a pat on the back earlier, but I think we should both give ourselves a pat on the back.
0: Pat's on the backs all around, baby. you love to see it. Feel free to leave a review on however you may be listening. Feel free to tweet at us, you know, DM us on Instagram, TikTok. Send us uh, someone on MySpace or whatever goes on these days i'm um, yeah stay tuned for next week we have a really really cool guest uh i've been following his stuff for a long time and he's definitely one of the big up and comers in the industry i'll leave it at that if you want to try and guess in the reviews feel free to do so but more importantly please uh cole wants a take i want to sign off give us both Feel free to give us both. You got any uh, final words before we send it off here from the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network?
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about this before the show, but I mean, since since we've been on a long quest to find a closer, what about yeah. um, what about just let's fall back on why we're even playing fantasy in the first place? It's it's to win, right? Right. Because we like winning. We like yes. winning things. So how about we just end with, go chase some W's.
0: Go chase some dubs. you what can we do go chase some dubs go chase some dubs go chase some dubs all right we'll try it out we'll see we'll see we'll see what we got here i like it i like it a lot i'm zach Cohen of the draft network that is cole Topham of the devil's digest and uh of the great hair for men's club i guess
1: but also most importantly of the breakout football podcast.
0: Most importantly, indeed, feel free again, please rate the show, leave a review. The music's playing to send us off. So give us our closer Cole. We will see you all next week. All right, everyone go chasing W's.